Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Y'all, I am so excited about this month. Hopefully you can tell that in my voice, and hopefully you have that same feeling yourself about what we're about to experience with early signing period and Georgia getting a chance to put another huge class together and obviously continue to keep the program at the level of strength that it has been as it gets ready to play as the number one team in the country on the go for two and 22 mission against Ohio State uh, in the Peach Bowl coming up at the end of this month. I mean, what a time this is to be a dog fan. And, you know, so many of you that I saw this past Saturday at the SEC championship were just kind of reflecting on that, too. We're all kind of the same boat here of, man, let's just soak all this in. Let's just bask in all of this. So please know this is that today we finish up the last of a series of pre-recorded shows tomorrow we're going to come back and do from a formatic standpoint something completely different with me just kind of sitting here talking to you and uh just kind of having a conversation about as i've been pre-recorded some of the news that has likely to have broken while i've been gone because we do expect there to be obviously a lot of news here this week and we'll react to that with all of you here on a special edition of our program on friday that feels a good bit different but hopefully feels really fun for you too and then after that we're going to get settled in for the rest of this month and then throughout the month of january too rolling into what really we think will be and i've been wearing the t-shirt all week go for two and 22 on our way to la that's the new generation two version of this shirt that we gave out as a part of our dog nation go for two and 22 tailgate this past saturday so I appreciate you allowing me to do what I've been able to do this week, which is be on a cruise. My wife and I kind of getting away together. Our friends at Royal Caribbean, nice enough to host us for that. I'll tell you a whole lot more about Wonder of the Seas when I return. But I'm also really excited about getting back in the saddle, settling in, and getting ready for the big ride that's on its way after that. However, before any of that, though, we got some business to take care of here today. And obviously, one of the things that was talked about prominently uh this weekend it kind of took a while to get here on this i sort of felt like maybe a lot of the national media folks and honestly i'd probably be the same way in a given year like i don't know what the two semifinal games are for next year do you already know those maybe you have the rotation memorized but in a given year i don't ever really know what the college ball playoff games are until it becomes some time to figure out okay where we traveling to where we going to at that point in time then you start figuring out where it is that you might be and maybe it was the same kind of thing here this year. I think it took a while for national media to talk about the fact that the Peach Bowl was one of the semifinal games, and the number one team, Georgia, happened to hail from the same state where that game takes place. Now, you'll know here, we were speaking about this months ago, if not a year or so ago. In fact, I think we were talking about this you know, uh, at almost the beginning of the year and really throughout the year that Georgia had this chance to play this game in Atlanta this year. What a big deal that would be. And it seems like you know, in the last little bit of time right after it was announced, people started realizing, oh, wow, Georgia gets a chance to play this game in its own stadium, or at least its own state, uh, in a stadium that it essentially made its home away from home. And I think I think a lot of folks, you know, you had the dust up with what, I guess, you know, Chris Fowler and uh, not dust up, that's probably overstating things, but certainly an exchange with Fowler and some of those guys acknowledging, you know, how valuable this could be for Georgia, the, that you get a chance to be a part of that game that could really matter, that could be you know, a pretty big deal. And after the game on Saturday night, uh, with the likelihood that Georgia could be back in the Peach Bowl, it was not 100% for sure, but it was, you know, pretty close to certain that Georgia would get a chance to do that. Uh, Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett was asked about, hey, how valuable is it to play this game in Atlanta? How much does this mean to you? And Stetson was pretty candid. These dogs kind of feel at home in Atlanta right now. This is what Stetson said after the game on Saturday night. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, we, we like this place. We played pretty good here. Uh, I don't know if it's the turf or the humidity, because good Lord, it was hot in there today. Mm. I mean, I'm about to cramp up sitting here. Um, and I don't even barely run. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. We just, I don't think it's anything about this, this place in, in particular. I think we just had a good game plan and went out and executed it. This is one of those things where typically we use audio clips around here just for a thousand reason, different reasons I won't bore you with right now. But the video clip probably actually does a little bit better job of kind of describing exactly what has what Bennett's going on because there is a bit of a wry smile from Bennett when he says what he says there. And I don't know that anybody does wry smile better than Stetson Bennett does. There is a certain manner of which he kind of goes about his business sometimes that uh, he clearly you know has some stuff on his mind and when he's saying that yeah we kind of like playing here he's got that kind of grin that lets you know that though they really like playing here i mentioned this after the half uh, against lsu on saturday that georgia in six quarters at that time at mercedes-benz stadium this year outscoring opponents 86 to 10 of the uh, third and fourth quarter against lsu got a little bit more narrow than that but still it's a 20 point win in the sec championship it's a 46 point win in the season opener against oregon so i think it stands to reason that georgia really likes itself when it gets a chance to play in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where it will get a chance to play Ohio State on Saturday. This has been kind of part of our thing. Go for 2-22, and 22, make it as easy for you as you can, play the game in Atlanta, now Georgia gets to. This was kind of a mission accomplished for us. However, it's also worth pointing out, for as much as Bennett kind of acknowledges, yeah, this team kind of does like it in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You go back to, was it last week, I guess this was, Kirby Smart, when asked directly about playing in Atlanta at that particular time, he did not seem to want to publicly buy in too much to this being all that big of a deal for UGA, downplaying this the way that sometimes he downplays a lot of different things. Kirby on the same topic from last week. I don't really know. Um, it's not something that I've really even thought about. I mean, uh, to me, the focus has to be on LSU and the preparation for LSU to win this game. You're talking about hypotheticals of what a committee's going to think and where they're going to put people. I really don't even think about it until it comes time. Till they, you know, where wherever the dust settles, whatever happens, happens. Then you take the take the make the most of it. The only thing you can say is the travel uh, and the time spent. But uh, that only really matters to me on a short week, which is a seven day turnaround. When you have the extension of nine to ten days, it's probably overrated because you're going to get more travel time. So you've heard me say this before. What Kirby's referencing there is the. Rose Bowl back in 2017 when Georgia played kind of a weird calendar anomaly that year that the January 1st was a Monday the national championship was always a Monday so that particular year you only had seven days between college football playoff semifinal games and national championship when there's typically something around two weeks of space in 2017 you didn't have that so that made as Kirby said the travel back from California that year that much more challenging because you had a short window to get ready for the game and even though the national championship that year was in Atlanta uh, it was still a little bit challenging knowing that you were coming back from California. And that's, you know, it always kind of hits you more going west back to east. And so that's what he's referencing when he talked about the seven-day turnaround. So so Kirby says, oh, I'm not really quite so sure it's such a big deal this year because you get more of a gap between the two games. And maybe he's right about that. Maybe he's not. Maybe he really meant that. Maybe he was just kind of sandbagging to maybe uh, kind of conceal his true intentions. But those are his words on the matter. For me, though, here's what it kind of comes down to. The two things about the game in Atlanta, I'd say it's good to be in Atlanta because that means you're not in Arizona. Because no matter what Kirby wants to say about the travel there, I think deep down, 
you don't want to go 3,000 miles if you don't have to, or 2,500 miles, or however far it is between here and Glendale, Arizona. You want to avoid that at all costs if you have to. And frankly, if you're in Arizona, if you were to be there, neither situation seems all that appealing. You're either going there and then coming back, or going there and then staying. Can you imagine trying to keep you know 100 football players corralled in a hotel for darn near two weeks uh getting ready for a semifinal and then a national championship that just seems like a logistical nightmare there's no telling how expensive it is but george obviously didn't care about the money but there's no telling how expensive that would be uh plus it's just sort of a logistical challenge in its own right so i think those of us who are georgia fans are pretty grateful that georgia avoided having to do that but here's the other thing too and this is where we're going to probably park ourselves a good bit over the course of the next couple of weeks How big of a deal is it to play the game in Atlanta? I would say to the Georgia fans who are going to be there, this is as big a deal as you make it. Because here's what we know. The tickets for this game are going to be really, really expensive. And who is it that can afford really, really expensive tickets? For the most part, these are rich folks. And sometimes it's the rich folks who kind of sit on their hands a little bit and you know they're too busy i don't know what you know uh see and be seen type of crowd type of thing it's almost become sort of the corporate atmosphere that sometimes you might think of with the uh, super bowl like rob lowe with the nfl hat on or something like that that's sort of like the big game feel you get with a situation like that y'all we cannot have that kind of georgia crowd for december 31st it cannot be that and if you're there if you've gotten tickets either because you fell into them or you've had them the entire time or you dug deep and spent a bunch of money to get them if you are some of the georgia fans that represent because it's not going to be a full georgia takeover it can't be ohio state gets its allotment ohio state fans have just as much access to the secondary market as georgia fans do georgia has the geographic advantage of course and therefore will have more fans but it's not like ohio state fans are not traveling to this game knowing they weren't even in the playoff a year ago they're going to certainly try to do that and have their representation here plus If you can get out of an Ohio winter, of course, you come down to Georgia to do that. That's why they're moving here uh, all the time. Uh, The point, though, is, is that if you are some of the Georgia fans who were there, you cannot afford to have this be anything other than a home game for Georgia. That means you're there. That also means you're as loud as you can possibly be. How big of a deal is the Atlanta thing? It's as big a deal as the Georgia fans make. And I, for one, hope, and it's been joked about a couple times in the show this week of uh, Georgia finally got its home game, or I should say its night game. It just so happens the game's in Atlanta, not Athens. Well, you know what? Make it be a night game type vibe. Make it feel that way. Make it be big. Georgia needs to feed off anything that it can. And you can't recreate Georgia, Tennessee inside Atlanta. It's just not that kind of situation. But can you come close? can you make it be as big as it possibly can be every georgia fan who's there needs to do his or her job to make sure that happens make it feel like a home game make ohio state know they are in enemy territory that's how you make the atlanta advantage as big as it possibly can be and i for one trust georgia fans to do just that my name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Merriweather and Tharp, and we are go for two in 22, getting ready for Georgia and Ohio State. It still seems very, very big to be saying that. And then after that, a chance at a national championship in Los Angeles. That's what this month is all about. And as we're doing that with you, our friends at Merriweather and Tharp, along with all of that with us there, too, we love them. Uh, truly, truly great people and fun uh, folks who love the dogs and love this time of year, but also serious folks who do hard work when it comes to one of the most challenging situations you might be facing in your life and what a divorce situation. And around the holiday time, sometimes that kind of conversation becomes a little bit more prominent because maybe it 
the stuff that you're doing during the Christmas season or something like that just makes you more aware of a relationship that's just really at an end. And you've tried and you've done what you could, but it can't be helped. And that's where our friends at Meriwether and Tharp can step in. They're your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online, Meriwether and Tharp, uh, at the Atlanta Team.com. That is the Atlanta Team.com. Enjoy free resources like blog posts, podcasts, and then set up that free initial consultation with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys. And then they can walk you through the process of understanding really what's at stake for you when it comes to finances, relationship with children, all those important weighty issues that are kind of on the other side of that divorce topic. Our friends at Meriwether and Tharp can help you through all of that. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's the website, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. So as I said a little earlier, we're going to get a conversation, special Thursday conversation with Connor Riley here coming up in just a moment. We'll talk to him more about what happened against LSU, what needs to happen against Ohio State, why Connor is so confident that Georgia will win the national championship. We'll do all that with him coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, how about Around the Doghouse, presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And uh, Kirby was on ESPN on Sunday, you know, when the Ohio State matchup was just announced. And Kirk Herbstreit asked, asked, actually asked uh, Kirby a good question. You know, and it's the kind of thing that, that Kirby hates. And listen, Kirby usually kind of puts on a good face to be on TV. He typically kind of plays along with the TV folks in a way that he doesn't always play along with just sort of regular average run-of-the-mill reporters. But nonetheless, uh, Kirby kind of found himself being asked a question he didn't really want to answer, whether it be his time at Alabama's defensive coordinator or his time at Georgia's head coach. It sort of seems like more often than not, with the exception of the 2014 game in which Ohio State beat Alabama, more often than not, the team that Kirby has represented here in the SEC has gotten the better of the team from the Big Ten, which obviously the conference from which Ohio State hails. So this is kind of a funny exchange going back Sunday on ESPN. The example of the kind of thing that prior to a big game like this, Kirby just has no interest discussing. Here is Kirby on SEC versus Big Ten. I don't know um, many times that we've got an opportunity to play I mean, I know last year, obviously, in, in the CFP final, and our team was in a, you know, a different state of mind coming you off remember the, the, Michigan uh, State the, game? the Alabama loss. I'm saying even going back to Alabama as a, as a defensive coordinator. Oh, I got just you. Yeah, you're general, going way, big, way, 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 I'm just back, saying, big, way back. Big Ten in general <laughs> against the SEC in games you've coached, what's, what's been the difference when you, you got uh, in the postgame and looked at the film? What, what if, why did you win? I think it's no different. It's not about the Big Ten and the SEC. It's about football, right? It boils down to line of scrimmage. It, it, it boils down to turnovers, explosive plays. Um, it's not really about the two conferences in those games. You may need to make it about that, but really it's about who plays better. Because I also played and coached at Alabama when Ohio State absolutely destroyed us uh, one CFP semifinal game. And you know what? They played better. They were more explosive, and they didn't have turnovers, and we did at Alabama. So it really boils down to how you play, not who you play. So that's what Kirby says. Now let me tell you this. I hope he's wrong. I hope it matters that this is SEC versus Big Ten because those of us who are as SEC dyed in the wool as many of us are, we believe it's just a better brand of football. Now Kirby's the coach. He can't say that. And what he believes privately, who, who knows? But, I mean, that's what it kind of comes down to for a lot of us is that Georgia represents the flag of the SEC, and for a long time it has simply been a better brand of football. That doesn't mean in every situation every SEC team is better than any other Big Ten team. That's not quite the way it works out. We do have individual matchups when obviously the Big Ten team has won. But the SEC has kind of meant something, and the Big Ten has kind of meant something too, and what it has meant more often than not has kind of been inferior. And here's the deal. In the future, this conversation is going to matter more and more and more. 
because in the very near future, these are going to be the two rivals. It's going to be SEC and Big Ten fighting for finite resources, the money, the media attention, and the stuff like that that actually fuels the sport. Your rival in your league, that's your opposition. But your enemy, that's the Big Ten because they're trying to take food off your table. And this is going to be the first of many of those kinds of battles. Let me tell you this. The Big Ten is big business. They're about to have a TV contract that puts games on NBC and Fox and who's the other one? A CBS going to have the CBS 330 spot. The the great CBS theme music is about to be connected to the Big Ten. They've got the entire television landscape all at their disposal. They're going to have a larger media rights deal than the SEC does. It is a more lucrative financial league right now than the SEC is. And they can have a $80 gazillion television contract for, for uh, if they want, but it still doesn't buy them wins in a game like this. This still comes down to who actually gets it done on the field. And it has been the SEC that's done that. And those of us who can look at the future of college football want that to remain the case. As this becomes kind of a super league versus super league type thing, SEC versus Big Ten, that's going to matter more and more and more. So on December 31st, if Georgia wasn't playing for enough already, in a lot of ways it's also playing for that part of this too, that the ongoing fight for supremacy in college football that is real and does matter, Georgia gets a chance to represent the SEC in all of that. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro. And, of course, coming up here in a few weeks, Ohio State's going to try to invade our home. They're going to try to come in here and do damage. And guess what? In your own home, if you've faced your own version of invasion, well, you want something to kind of help. It's a little bit of a strange analogy, I realize. But the point is, is if you're facing those kind of common issues at your house, fire damage, water intrusion, all those things that make a big mess, you want it cleaned up and you want it put back together the way that it was before and you want it left like it never even happened. That's what our friends at ServPro are all about. Their restoration specialists can go through that cleanup process for you and literally getting it looking right like it never even happened before. So find ServPro online at servepro.com that's s-e-r-v servepro.com for a lot more on that all right normally here on dog nation daily here on thursday we get terrence edwards the great former Georgia wide receiver we'll speak to him again very soon but for this week though special pinch hit appearance by our friend connor riley he thinks george win the national championship is he really sure is he really certain of that we'll begin the conversation by asking him that and getting into a whole lot more here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and dark today From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Here on this Dog Nation Daily episode presented by Meriwether and Thorpe. Normally on Thursdays is Terrence Edwards, but we're pre-recording this this week just because of the uh, fact that, to be frank, I'm on a Royal Caribbean cruise. So, so because of that, we don't get a chance to talk to Terrence today, but we'll look forward to doing that with him again next week. But we are happy to have Connor Riley uh, back with us here uh, again today. And Connor, when we spoke last on Tuesday, I said there was a specific question I wanted to ask you here for this conversation. You're a guy that has picked Georgia to win the national championship, and you've been consistent in talking about that throughout the season. So you've seen georgia for 13 games now you just saw him win the national championship excuse me the sec championship this past saturday um after 13 games do you feel more or less confident in your national championship pick of uga i feel the same level of confidence i had at the beginning of the season i actually think the sec championship game sort of moved me back to there uh when this offense wants to be dynamic i believe it can be the best in the country uh they had 35 points at halftime. Stetson Bennett only had five passing attempts in the second half. 
I think Ladd McConkie is going to be back, and you're going to see him play at the level you've seen him all season. It's more just injury management at this point rather than him having a debilitating injury. And I don't think it matters. And quite frankly, I don't think there's a defense good enough in the college football playoffs to slow this Georgia offense down. As far as defense, yes, you do want to see uh, this secondary play better. Keely Ringo and Malachi Starks did not have good games against LSU, and I do think in that game as well, you really miss the presence of Nolan Smith there in terms of having him as an edge player, in terms of defending that edge, being able to come and provide pressure there. They're just not very deep at the outside linebacker spot right now, and I do think that'll, that, that matters a little bit there. But, you know, Chris Smith is a big-time player who once again continues to make big-time plays. Jalen Carter is pound for pound, in my opinion, the best college football player in the country. And then you have linebackers like Shmel Munden and Jermon Dumas-Johnson who do a great job directing traffic in the middle of that defense. I still feel very confident that Georgia's going to win the national championship. Quite frankly, I think they're going to beat Ohio State by double digits. And if I could tease that line to 11.5, I'd probably live with it right now. And so I do think that Georgia is once again going to win the national championship. I've been consistent with it. And I think what I saw on Saturday reaffirmed my belief in what the team I thought was going to look like at the beginning of the season. And I feel pretty good about with where they are headed into the college football playoffs. Let's talk a little bit more about what we did see on Saturday because a lot of our audience now has had several days to process this a little bit. And I think there are some lingering questions about this game. And you mentioned the defensive part of this. And Connor, I thought sitting in the stadium, you and I are sitting in the press box together, you brought up a great point. You know, after the Chris Smith uh, you know, pickup of the blocked field goal, you take it back for a touchdown. And the point that you made in the press box was, okay, now the Georgia defense goes right back out there on the field again. And obviously they looked a little bit gassed and they, you know, gave up a touchdown pretty quick. And to me, Connor, this is a little bit of a reminder of why maybe Georgia plays the way that it does, because in a fifty to thirty type game, your defense is being asked to kind of carry a pretty big load there on the field a lot. And I, I think while it's fun to see Georgia score 50 points, some of the SEC championship was maybe, maybe also a reminder of why maybe they don't always try to do that because it certainly kind of put the defense in a position that we're not really used to seeing them be in. Right, and, and you look at some of the injuries, you know, not deep at outside linebacker. They don't rotate in the secondary, so those guys are going to have to play a lot of snaps, and, and you run the risk of tiring those guys out, and I do think that's what happened there in the second half. And also, let's point out, Again, it was 35-10 to 10 at halftime of this game. LSU had no choice but to throw the football. And, again, I think if you put this Georgia defense in a position where you give them a 25-point lead at halftime going into the second half of the game against Ohio State, you'll take whatever performance you're going to get out of them. And in, in, in that game, they did still make the key plays that you need them to. You have the fourth down stop in the red zone. Chris Smith gets his interception. Uh, Shmuel Munden makes a great play off a tip pass that deflected off both Javon Bullard and an LSU defender's helmet. So I think on Saturday, you did see the Georgia defense make plays, but the concern was the yardage that they gave up. And look, Keely Ringo played really great against Tennessee. We're going to need to see him do that again against Ohio State as he's going to be matched up with Marvin Harrison Jr. And you're really going to need Malachi Sarge to grow up. He made some big plays earlier in the season, but I thought he really struggled on Saturday, taking some poor routes to balls. He's going to need to be on his A game as they take on a talented quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Yeah, one of the things we've talked about this week is is that to me – the SEC championship was the first time that David Pollock was on our show back in the summer and he kind of predicted that Georgia would give up 10 more points per game in 2022 than it had given up in 2021. Obviously, that really hasn't been true for Georgia during the season. But I thought the SEC championship was my first time to sort of think, ooh, this sort of looks like the defense that Pollock kind of warned us about back in the summer where there were moments when you're like, Gosh, I'm not really quite so sure who the dynamic playmaker is going to be right now. We're back in 2021. There were just that a list of those guys for days that you could depend on to get you out of a tight jam. 
you know, on Saturday. Now, ultimately, this wasn't consequential for the result, but it was a little bit of the defense that I think Pollock kind of warned us that we might see. And I couldn't help but kind of think about that of, you know, this was probably my biggest moment this year when I was like, I am not watching this 2021 defense here at the moment. Right, and I think it's fair to point out that this defense was missing Nolan Smith on Saturday, who I do think had made a big difference for this team over the course of the season, and obviously they're not going to have him for the college football playoff games. I mean, you can hope that Marvin Jones Jr., who didn't play yesterday, is able to come back and give you something, but the reality is their outside linebacker room is not very good right now, and so you know that's why they really need Jalen Carter to provide a pass rush presence, which he has, yeah. But he's not hes not going to be able to do that on a down-by-down basis. No one is. And that's why you need Javon Dumas-Johnson to be an effective blitzer when they do ask him to do that. I think Javon Bullard is a guy where Georgia might save some tricks for him in terms of when and where he blitzes because he is a very effective blitzer coming from that second level. And so, you know, Georgia, they do have to get creative with their pass rush. And, you know, we've seen them been able to do it. I think the big thing is, you know, I do think they probably played a very vanilla scheme in the second half of that game knowing, hey, we're up 35-10. to 10. We've got our college football playoff ticket punch. Let's not do anything more than we have to here on defense. And credit to LSU for hitting some plays, Garrett Nussmeyer for making some big-time yeah. throws. But I do think that this is a Georgia defense that, again, you know, look, they've had to answer questions all year. And now you do kind of get them in a sweet spot where they're going to have to go out there and prove themselves. And I think, I think back to that Tennessee game, you know, there was the anonymous coach that went out and said, you know, I think Tennessee can go out there and score 50. You're going to see some people that are going to say, hey, I think this Georgia defense can give up some points in this Ohio State game. And I think they're really going to take that. They're going to hear that for the next month. And I do think that's going to go out there and motivate them to put on a similar performance to what we saw against Tennessee earlier Uh, this season. I love the thought of that, Connor. That's actually a really fun thing to consider, and I think you may be right about that. Um, Do you think that Jalen Carter will eventually be remembered as the best player to play at Georgia during this era? And by era, I mean, let's assume that Georgia wins the national championship. This is a back-to-back national champion. And obviously, a lot of the weight right now kind of rests with those five first-round picks and a Buckus Award winner off the team uh, a year ago. But when the full story is told of Jalen Carter, obviously, he was hurt and taken away from Georgia a good bit this year. But when you see some of the stuff he's capable of doing on Saturday, and it's more than just the photo of him carrying around Jane Daniels, you know, he was impactful in other ways too. Do you think that Carter is remembered as the best player on this defense during what might be a back-to-back national title run? I, I think he will be. You already have there, there's a good amount of support out there for people who are saying he was already the most talented player on the 2021 defense to put mm-hmm. so many guys into the NFL. I, I think it might end up being a situation like, say, you know, Randy Moss or Aaron Rodgers, guys who, you know, statistically they might not have the cases or the, or the trophy cases that, say, a Tom Brady or Jerry Rice do. But in terms of raw talent and what he goes out there and the plays he makes, it's hard to argue that anyone has ever played those positions better. And I'm sure your, your, your older readers and listeners will be a little miffed at that comment. But I, I do think that Jalen Carter, just what he does from that defensive tackle position, is just so impactful. He literally knocked Jaden Daniels out of the game with that sack on Saturday. And I think he's roaring to go at C.J. Stroud. Quite frankly, I don't think C.J. Stroud handles pressure well at all. And Jalen and, and Jalen Carter is coming in there to wreck his shop, and I think really expose him uh, for a guy who has not played his best against physical teams like we've seen against Michigan. And I think what you saw Aiden Hutchinson do to this Ohio State offensive line last year, where he finished with three sacks, I think Jalen Carter is going to be rip roaring and ready to go Love to make it. another impact performance. And to your point, I think if he does that against Ohio State and balls out in that game, like I think a lot of us think he will it's going to become even harder to argue that he's not the best player to have played for Kirby Smart. Oh, boy, that's a really, really fun topic to be a part of. Um, This next conversation, it's not all that important, but I am kind of interested in it. Why do you think Georgia went for two? 
Well, so the math did make sense there, and Kirby Smart explained the analytics behind it. I, I, I don't have a problem with the idea to go for two because it puts you up 27, and it makes it, you know, uh, you know they need a field goal uh, in addition to that, whereas a 26-point lead doesn't really do anything for you. So I understand the math and the analytics behind it, and Kirby Smart pointed to that. I, I think it's going for two, and then running the Philly special, where you have that in your bag, and Kirby Smart says there is no saving plays, and I get it, and I understand it, but... Uh, you know, I just that was a weird spot to run that out and run that play out there where, you know, you have a potential to really make a statement with that play. And they did. You know, getting 50, I do think it's significant. It says a lot more than having 49 points on the board. But doing that in an SEC championship game when potentially you could have had it in a college football playoff game could be interesting. However, I would point out Oklahoma ran that play long before it was called the Philly special in a college football playoff game against Georgia and ended up losing that same game, which is why it is called the Philly special and not the Oklahoma special. So <laughs> I do think that, you know, I get the decision to go for two. I just think it's a little perplexing giving the trick play call that you have out there. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, kind of interesting. I mean, for me, it kind of comes down to this. Um, look, I, 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 is it, you know, you don't like, because hey, let, let, let me go back and say it this way is what you said about Kirby Smart and his explanation about the analytics and and all of that, uh, that's exactly what he said in 2018 when George was playing Auburn. And he also went for uh, the fake field goal right there. And he kind of explained that as about being analytics and things like that, you know, uh, too. You know, he has a way of kind of sort of explaining some of this way when he wants to. What he said after the SEC championship was pretty similar to that play that he did with Rodrigo Blankenship against Auburn way back then. I think a lot of us kind of were led to believe, no, that may be, there may be something else going on there. Do you think there was something beyond just the desire for a 27-point lead that was going on? Is it about Brian Kelly? Is it about 50 points? Is it about getting an additional touch for Darnell Washington? Is it about just kind of being in a little bit of a groove and wanting to have some fun? I mean, we saw the video of Todd Monk, and he was really celebrating. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter to me all that much because I enjoyed it, whatever the whatever the result was. But there seems to be something a little bit underneath the surface than maybe what Kirby Smart kind of led on to. Well, let's consider what was going on in the game. I don't think it at all has anything to do with Brian Kelly, but Georgia was wobbling a little bit there in that third quarter and in that second half. Yeah. You know, LSU's offense uh, had hit some big plays. It was uh, in a position to make that, you know, I believe an 11-point game at one point before Georgia goes out and responds. And, and so you see that, and that just energized the whole team. Uh, you know, it brought a smile to A.D. Mitchell's face, big play for him, especially getting back out there for really the first time since the Oregon game in that stadium. Uh, you know, Darnell Washington gets him a touch. Stetson Bennett was hyped and excited about it. The whole team, it really energized them, and I think gave them a little bit of fuel and boost that they needed to get to the end of the game there and finish things out. And while, yes, LSU did score and make it an even closer game after that, I think it was really a reward of sorts for this Georgia team. And Kirby Smart, you know, again, this team doesn't wear alternate uniforms anymore. The only time they do it is when he feels that this team needs a motivational boost. That's why you last saw him do it in the Peach Bowl against Cincinnati the end of the 2020 season when they didn't have a national title to play for anymore. And so I do think there is something to the, hey, you know, we've got this play. Yeah. It'll fire the team up. Guys will be excited running if we hit. I think it's going to give us the win in our sails to carry this team to shore. And I think that's why you saw Georgia go out there and do it. Although I will point out, I do get and understand the analytics behind it. So I, I don't believe that Kirby Smart is hiding behind that sure. and saying, oh, it's just analytics, spreadsheets, whatever. I do understand the logic there from him. But I think it was more to give Georgia the, the, the boost it needed to get to shore and to get get home with a victory. Well, I'll also bring this back uh, into the conversation, too. It's like you go back and look at what Stetson Bennett said immediately after Saturday night 
when he was asked about you know kind of one of the throws that he made Darnell Washington for a touchdown and in the midst of that answer he used the word fun like two or three different times and Connor I think one of the things that I've had as a concern as a Georgia fan is is they've been on a grind lately you know that bye week prior to the Florida game just seems like 12 years ago and is back-to-back road games it's 12 and 0 season some of this was weather related and there's a lot of the last probably six weeks for Georgia that may not have been all that fun. And so to get back in here into kind of a climate-controlled environment in a game for an SEC championship, which obviously mattered to Georgia, but the opponent was one, not one maybe you're all that worried about, to be able to find a way to kind of conjure back up some fun, I think that Georgia deserved the right to have a little bit of fun on Saturday. If that means a little bit of a trick play to hang a half a hundred on the board, whatever it takes, I'm sort of fine with because I love the fact that the quarterback was talking about having fun. Georgia visually appeared to be having fun. And kind of finding that fun gene again, knowing that they've been kind of going through kind of a hard work phase here. To me, there's something about that that just seems kind of appropriate. Yeah, and, and I think it's, again, it's a Georgia team. They, they get through that really tough stretch of Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi State back-to-back. You have that Georgia Tech game, which was a clear letdown spot. And then you get up so big there in the first half that, you know, again, that Georgia team, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think they were fully in it there in the second half. So I, I do think that there is something to wanting to keep this team motivated. And having said all that, I don't think you have any question about that going into the Ohio State game. This is the college football playoff. I think this team has shown you time and time again this season that when they get a chance to play in a big game, especially in the first half, they're going to come out and take full advantage of that and knock out and drag this game down really early and make it really difficult for Ohio State to come back. Now, I think like LSU showed, Ohio State maybe have the horses to keep throwing that ball until the clock's hit zero. So Georgia's going to have to play a full 60-minute game once again. But this is a Georgia team that I think now has entered the fun part of the season. They've won the SEC title. Now they, now they can smell you know, that, that back-to-back national championship and the potential to go 15-0 and for this team, which is something this team didn't do a season ago. And beating an Ohio State team I think would be a nice pelt to have on the wall to help separate yourself from that 2021 team and say, hey, look, I know you guys beat Alabama and Michigan, but Ohio State is every bit as good as those teams have been in recent seasons. And so I think that would be a nice little motivational ploy for Kirby Smart to roll out there against the Buckeyes on December 31st. Great stuff, Connor. Well said all the way around. I know you're going to have great coverage this week for what I know is a busy week. So I'm, you know, working on my tan and having a good time and you're back here, you know, grinding away. So we certainly appreciate that. And uh, we'll also enjoy the chance to catch up with you again very soon. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. And with that said, we'll get ready to transition to cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, something we love to do. And as I'm speaking to you now, I'm actually concluding my Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, getting ready to wrap that up and get ready to head back tomorrow. And don't forget, we'll be live tomorrow, giving me a chance to interact with you. A little bit different kind of show. It won't be the normal show, but we're still going to do it and try to catch up on what has undoubtedly probably been a busy last few days of news. We're going to try to see if we can catch up on some of that as a part of our normal slot here so we'll look forward to seeing you there for that and i'm assuming i've had a great time because i always have a great time when i'm on a royal caribbean cruise vacation you can have a great time too our friend jessica slater can help you out with that give her a call 770-718-9147 770-718-9147 or visit her royaldogs.com that's a website she's made specifically for our dog nation cruise coming up in april you can learn more about that there we had a lot of folks booking the cruise actually right there on the spot at our dog nation go for two and 22 tailgate on saturday that was fun to see and one of the cool things with the cruise that we're going on it features a trip and a stop over to perfect day coco Cay, that wonderful private island right there in the bahamas y'all i'm telling you you've got to experience it to know how great that is we're going to have so much fun in april and i can't wait to see you for it so 
find out more about that and she'll also tell you about the ship that i'm on which is uh wonder of the seas and then we got icon of the seas coming up next january so there's a lot of really fun stuff going on as it relates to royal caribbean right now and there's also fun stuff relating to the sec too so let's go cruise around the sec and learn more about that in fact let's give you one kind of final look at the rest of this bowl sleigh for the sec as we head towards bowl season uh, you've got the Gasparilla Bowl coming up. That is in Tampa. Yes, that's in Tampa. That's Missouri and Wake Forest. There could be 200 points scored in that game. I mean, 200 points. There's all kinds of chatter about what the future of the Wake Forest program might look like with Sam Hartman potentially leaving. You've heard those rumors, maybe. You know, there's also some talk about you know some maybe you know coaching staff stuff there, maybe being a little bit different. Uh, but you could potentially have a bunch of points scored between Wake Forest and Missouri. So that may be a fun one uh, for that reason, if nothing else. Obviously, Missouri fans still reacting to the tweet from Luther Burden the other day, the wide receiver who, via a uh, NIL message, said he was planning on staying in Missouri. I don't know if he meant for the bowl game or for next season, but at least do some. <laughs> He at least got enough cash from an NIL deal to say he was staying for right now. So we'll see how deep into the offseason that actually uh, lasts for Missouri. You got Kentucky, Iowa, and the Music City Bowl. Could there, by the way, be two more opposite deals here? Missouri Wake Forest is essentially a basketball game. Combined points about 100. Kentucky, Iowa? Will there be 10 points scored in that game, period? I mean, Kentucky's essentially the Iowa of the SEC. Now they get to face the actual Iowa of Iowa's. That game may be seven to three. That game may be seven to three, and I'm not even kidding. Although they do get a little spin on holiday time in Nashville, so that's not bad. Mississippi State versus Illinois is the ReliaQuest Bowl. Is that the old Outback Bowl? I think that's I think that's the old Outback Bowl. I think ReliaQuest. So you had all this kind of brand equity built up for a long time with the Outback Bowl, and then they decided to drop the bowl game. Now you got ReliaQuest. I have no idea what kind of business service product they offer is, but you got a. Um, <laughs> I also don't really know what to expect from Mississippi State and Illinois. Not quite so sure on that either, but that'll be there in the Relia Quest. And then how about this? I think Florida, Oregon State, and Vegas is pretty fun. Um, first of all, I've said before, if I was a bad team, and Florida no doubt is, um, give me a Vegas Bowl more so than, like, say, a Independence Bowl or something like that. Give me a chance to go somewhere fun. Vegas, Oregon, Vegas for Oregon State, Florida, that's actually not so bad. I'd watch it. If I was a Gators fan, I'd certainly attend it. Uh, Beavers probably want it. Those Pac-12 teams like the idea of playing the SEC in the Pacific time zone. They definitely do. So uh, that is uh, pretty fun. Now, let me also say this while we have a little bit of time, too. And this is not part of our rundown, so I apologize. One of the other stories I kind of wanted to squeeze in here this week, and it's not related to bowl games, it's not related to the SEC, but we're also in the midst of the coaching carousel kind of spinning a little bit. And I know it's official with, with Deion Sanders now, at Colorado and I just want to cast my lot here with the belief that this could really work and I've kind of always sort of felt like Dion and, and Colorado might be an interesting fit because at one point in time he was sort of thinking about this or the South Florida job or there's like one more job I guess he was you know potentially kind of in the mix for and I've sort of always felt like the Colorado part of this might be interesting and my reason on this is kind of simple here to me for someone of my age especially like Dion is essentially at his heart an icon from like the late 80s early to mid 90s that was kind of the Deion sanders era right whether it be his time at florida state his time kind of doing double duty here in atlanta with the Braves and falcons and eventually being kind of the missing piece on super bowl teams for both san francisco and dallas this is sort of a late 80s early 90s mid 90s type icon well guess what colorado was also kind of cool during that period of time as well you think about 
I was playing the Bill Walsh college football game on e, from EA Sports back on Sega Genesis, like around 1993. Those Colorado teams had Darian Hagan at quarterback, Eric Bieniemy at running back. That was a fun video game team. And then after that, you had Cordell Stewart at quarterback. Then later on, you had like Sean Salam at, at, at running back. There was a time in which Colorado and that McCartney era as coach, Bill McCartney as coach, they were kind of a cool team. And Dion's obviously a cool guy. And somehow finding a way to kind of sort of recapture that if anybody can i think that he can there's obviously some challenges the least of which the fact that uh colorado plays in a league that i'm not quite so sure is long for football uh the pac-12 does not have a certain future but i think Dion deserves the power five opportunity he's great at cultivating attention he's clearly good at acquiring talent and it's obviously a much bigger challenge when you move into the pac-12 realm here but color me someone who's very interested in what happens for Dion now in the Pac-12, and I think he chose the right school, and I think he's got a cool opportunity, and I'm actually really excited about seeing where all of this goes from here. So I wanted to squeeze that in there in the midst of talking about the rest of these bowl games, and we'll make that cruiser on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I also want to give a quick shout-out here, too, to our friends at the Durham Law Group. Obviously, they bring the injury report to you each and every week on Dog Nation. We do our Kroger kickoff, and they're also a big part of what we do here on Dog Nation Daily there as well. You're hurt, you're injured in an accident. Listen, they want to step up, they want to do good work for you. And one of the promises they make to you is, is that they want to have the same kind of vested interest in the outcome that you do. That means there's no fees, no payments unless you win. That's how they define personal injury law. And so you want to find out more about them by going to their website, georgiahurt.com. That is georgiahurt.com. Or give them a call, 844-4-GA-HURT. That's 844-4-GA-HURT. And you can find out more about our friends at uh, Durham Law Group and the great work they can do if you've been hurt, injured in an accident. Their personal injury services, they want to provide those for you. Also, our friends at my bookie, great time to get some action down, whether it be bowl season coming up, pro football playoffs, uh, soccer. I, you know, there's some fun stuff related to all that, too. Uh, well, whatever you like to bet on, our friends at my bookie give you a chance to do that. It's winning season, my bookie, right now. You can be a winner before you even win your first bet because. When you make that initial deposit, MyBookie wants to give you a deposit bonus. That means, let's say you put in $400, our friends at MyBookie want to give you another $400 in your account. They're going to double that up to $1,000. So the way to do that is take advantage of this by using the promo code DOGNATION. That's all one word, spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G, the promo code DOGNATION. And when you use that, you can get that big first deposit bonus from our friends at MyBookie. Then after that, you play, you win, you get paid. But take advantage of the big deposit bonus up to $1,000 with our friends at MyBookie today. All right, rolling out of here today, some more golden shoes. We always love giving these out. And I want to pause on this for a minute because I think this is hilarious. This is the funniest reaction to the Jalen Carter thing yet. Uh, Brian Dowd sends it to me, and I guess the original compilation here comes from Grant McCauley. Some of y'all know Grant. Uh, Grant's a big Georgia fan, but he also is a guy that's covered the Braves for a, a long time, a uh, good baseball guy. And so Brian sends this to me, uh, hashtag go for two and 22, hashtag golden shoe. And indeed, it's Jalen Carter holding up Jaden Daniels, finger pointing the air, and almost the identical photo. It's amazing. You remember Randy Savage holding up Elizabeth, putting her on his shoulders this is after wrestlemania 4 this is so well done grant did this brian shared it with me very funny stuff golden shoes all around for that a much more i guess sophisticated and erudite version of this is our next golden shoe winner here uh georgia on tap who always sends us good stuff there's this uh, thing on twitter called uh sport but make it uh, i should say art it's it's let me try this again 
it's a sport but make it art and so basically it's the Jalen carter thing holding up and then there's a i guess a sculpture i don't know anything about art but this is a kind of a funny account <laughs> and so george on tab shares that it is pretty similar that's pretty good stuff george on tab we'll give golden shoe to you and the fancy people who also thought of that to begin with there as well and then another golden shoe here too to our buddy billy rothman who weighs in to say my friend steven and i enjoying a couple of the long drinks after a big sec championship victory and also getting ready for Ravens game day as well. Hashtag go dogs. Hashtag go for two in 22. Billy, that is great stuff. We appreciate that. And for all of you who enjoy all of our great sponsors like the Finish Long Drink, we appreciate you too. And of course, speaking of cocktails like that, won't be too long before we're back in the cocktail party once again. In fact, lousy stinking gators got a beat down coming their way. Let's give you that countdown one more time here. 326 days from right now. Y'all have a great day. I will see you live back here tomorrow. For now, though, this is Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then.